Well, I want to begin today by saying, have you ever desperately wanted something to be said to you that you have not heard yet? Now, I'm not talking about you've won the lottery, and I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about the publisher's clearing house is coming to visit. No, something better than that that you really have wanted so long to be said to you. Or have you wanted to say something and you've not yet been able to say it? I read a humorous article by a man named Christopher Buckley this week. And he said, you know, life is not as dramatic as the movies. All of us, most of us, at some time or another, we've wanted desperately to say, charge! Or torpedo tube number one, fire! Or up to periscope depth or something dramatic like that. Sponge, clap, sutures, something like that. But he said we, life is usually not quite as dramatic. However, he said, and he's right, almost everyone at some point gets to say things like, will you marry me? Or, in my case, it was, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. He was right. And then he quoted one other funny thing. He said there was once a magistrate in, in uh, Scotland, and this magistrate had dealt with this, this town drinker over and over and over. And he came before him all the time, and he came before him once more. And so the judge just rolled his eyes, and the, ju- the uh, uh, poor fellow looked at him, and he said, Okay, I'm tired of this. He said it's the sentence of the court that you be taken from here to a place of execution where you will be hanged by the neck until you're dead. Said the poor guy fainted right there in the courtroom. And the judge just said, I've just always wanted to say that. (laughs) Well, there are things we wish we could say. There are things we wish we could hear. And we've been studying the Gospel of John now for months. What do you think Jesus desperately wanted to hear? What do you think he really yearned to hear from his disciples? I believe he wanted to hear them say, we know who you are and we believe in who you are. I believe he just desperately longed. In fact, I think we'll see that in the text we're going to read this morning. He desperately longed to hear that from them. They were not quite there yet but he wanted to hear that from them so look with me to our text for today as we look at John chapter 14 John 14 beginning with verse 7 it's not a lengthy passage today just through verse 11 7 11 chapter 14 verse 7 through 11 and see what it says if you know me you will also know my father from now on you do know him and have seen him and then look at verse 8 Philip speaks up Lord said Philip show us the father and that's enough for us Jesus said to him have I been among you all this time without your knowing me Philip the one who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father Don't you believe, look at verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father 
And the Father is in me, otherwise believe, because of the works themselves. Well, we see this yearning on the part of our Lord Jesus that he would hear from those disciples and even Philip those precious words, Lord, we know who you are and we believe. We know and we believe. And by the way, uh, in this text that we're reading, we see the second great assurance. I mentioned last week, there are six assurances in John 14. And last week we saw him assure us that heaven is a real place. And he is preparing a place for us there. Remember John 14, 1, 2, and 3. But today we see him assuring us of something else. He's assuring us that we can know God now. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to know God. You can know him now. You can know him personally now. So this is a great, great, great text. Well, just two main things I want us to see this morning. First of all, what does it mean to know the Father? And second, we'll see what does it mean to believe. And that's really what he yearned to hear from them, and he yearns to hear it from you and me. What does it mean to know the Father? Well, by the way, just here's a little bit of trivia, and if you ever want someone who's full of trivia, it's me. The word know is used 141 times in the Gospel of John. 141 times. So it's a pivotal key word in the Gospel of John, the Johannine Gospel. But it's used in four different ways, and I want you to know these ways. First of all, the word know is used just to know a fact. Virtually everyone in the upstate knows who Jesus is, right? Do they know him Belief-wise, no, they know who he is. Most know who Jesus is. So that's the first way the word know is used, just simply a matter of cognition. I'm aware of this. Second, it means to know not only the fact, but the reason behind the fact. Now, there are people in the upstate who know who Jesus is, and they know why God sent him. They know it, but they still don't have a relationship. So there's to know the fact, and then you can deepen to knowing why. And that's good, isn't it? You need to know the facts, and I try to challenge you regularly to know why you believe what you believe. Why? So that's an additional layer. There's a third level of knowing, and it is to be in a relationship with. In fact, to believe in a person and to become related to him or her is a deep level of knowledge. In fact, the Bible even uses that intimacy between a husband and wife. He will say, and he knew her. She knew him. It's a way to describe intimacy. So there's that level of knowing someone where you're in a relationship with them. And that's deeper and special and precious. And we're going to see that in my favorite passage in John 17, 3, when we come to that in a few weeks. Because he says something that's groundbreaking and powerful. But you'll have to wait till we get to that. He talks about it in such a powerful way. And there's a fourth level of knowledge. And that is to have a deeper relationship with a person, a deep communion. So it's beyond just a relationship, but it's a deep total knowledge. 
And I will tell you, someone said uh, to me this week, we were talking about friendships. You know, how many deep friends do you have? One writer said, rightly so. If you have at least five, you can count them on one hand, if you have five true friends, you are among the rarest group of people. Now, a lot of people say, I have a lot of friends. But are they real friends that are in that fourth level who know you intimately, who know you deeply, not only have a relationship with you, but they really know you and still love you? Mm-hmm. Know you and still love you. That's the deepest level of epigenosis, knowledge in the Greek. And that's the level Paul, by the way, was referring to over in Philippians when he said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him. Paul was saying, that's how deeply I want to know Jesus. I want to know who he is. I want to know why he came. I want to have a relationship with him, but I want it to be so deep that I know him and he knows me. Well, later we'll see this same kind of knowledge over in verse 23, 24, and 25 of this chapter. But when Jesus said that knowing him and seeing him were the same as knowing and seeing the Father, he was saying, I am co-equal with God the Father. Now, I appreciate Philip's desire to know God the Father. That's wonderful. It ought to be all of us, our goal in life to know God better. We ought to be changed by him, to know him, and therefore be changed by him. It ought to be our goal in life. And I appreciate Philip's desire, though he didn't quite understand who Jesus was in connection with the Father. We need to ask, how well do I know the Father? But not only did he want them to know him, he wanted them to believe in him. So what does it mean to believe in him? Well, by the way, in verse 8, when Philip said, show us the Father, and that's enough, Jesus basically is asking him a question. Have I been with you all this time without your knowing me, Philip? He wanted Philip to say, I know you and I believe you are God the Son. Philip should have realized that the words of Jesus as well as the works of Jesus pointed to who he was. The emphasis throughout John's gospel is that you cannot separate the works and the words of Jesus. Both come from the Father. Both reveal the Father. And so Jesus is yearning for these disciples to believe who he is. Don't you see that after all this time, Philip, I've been with you all this time, don't you see? I'm the same as the Father. We are one. I've said nothing that did not come from him. I've done nothing that was not enabled by him. We are one and the same. He desperately wanted Philip and us today to know and believe. To know and believe. You see, you can know Jesus Christ, but he also wants you to be, believe in him. The very Lord of heaven and earth is our Father And there's no need for us to have troubled hearts, as he said back in verse 1, because he is the Father incarnate. Remember that word incarnate, in the flesh, incarnate. He is God in the flesh. 
And so you want to know God? Know Jesus. You want to believe in God? Believe in Jesus. So let us know who he is and let us believe in him. Let us know who he is and let us believe in him and show to a doubting world that who he is, who he said he is. We've already seen back in chapter 13, I believe verse 36, 35, 35, where he said, this is how they will know that you are my disciples if you do what for one another? Love one another. Now, we often use cultural identifiers to show that we're Christians. And over the years, people have said, well, Christians are identified by what they wear. Wear a certain type of clothing. You can tell they're Christians. Or Christians wear crosses. We use all kinds of cultural identifiers, but they are all insufficient. They all break down at some point. The way you mark yourself as a disciple is how you love someone else. That's what Jesus said. And that's how we show a doubting world that he is real. That's the only one true and lasting sign that identifies us as followers of Christ. That love must spill over out of the walls of this church and into our community. It's my prayer that we will show our love. So as we close, before we take the Lord's Supper, I want us to be able to say some things out loud because I believe, and put up that last slide if you would, I believe the Lord Jesus desperately wants to hear us today say these following things. Can you say this out loud with me? First of all, say, Jesus, you are God. Second, you are the living representation of God the Father. Say it out loud with me. You are the living representation of God the Father. Number three, you are co-equal with God the Father. You are co-equal with God the Father. And then last, we know who you are and we believe in you. We know who you are and we believe. Do you really? Do you know who he is? Do you know who he is and do you believe in him? It's not just to know level one, level two. But do you believe? Is there a relationship that changes and, and as Laura saying, that rescues you and delivers you? That's level three and four. That's what we want, isn't it? Desperately. Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your powerful, powerful word. A word that speaks to us right where we are today. Lord, we know the world is waiting to see that there's a difference in us because of who we know and what we believe, we show forth a love that transcends cultural identifiers. Oh God, may we be that kind of people. We love you. We know you. We believe in you. You are co-equal with God the Father. And we trust you today to take our lives, to change us, to remake us, remold us, discover us, and use us for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.